Finding the right cleat can be transformative. Believe me, I've worn plenty during my career. So getting the right balance is crucial. The cleat needs to feel good on your foot, but also feel good connecting with the ball. The New Balance Furon 7 Plus is built with both of those points in mind, offering overall comfort and precise striking in the game's fastest moments. Because, as I learned the hard way, because I didn't possess much of it, speed matters in soccer. That's why the Furon 7 Plus is built for accuracy and precision at rapid pace and is engineered specifically for use on firm ground. Why is this the ideal cleat, I hear you ask? Well, not to get too scientific, but the Furon 7 Plus offers a lightweight yet supportive hypo-knit with mesh lining upper construction and is paired with offset lacing for a truer strike of the ball, which is a long way of me saying that your game will immediately get better when these are on your feet. Learn more and purchase the Furon at NewBalance.com. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. episode of in soccer we trust we've got a fun episode and guess what we've got a full house here today we got jimmy conradinho conrad i'll leave the most of them off because he's gotten good at saying all those and charlie chuck wagon davies is with us i'm not sure if he's uh, if we call him jimmy a, a special guest uh is, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to categorize this guy he's in a, he's got a new backdrop uh so i guess we'll start with you chuck cd9 uh, tell us about uh, this little backdrop you've got because we've seen a hundred different rooms so far. This is 101 at this point, but how you doing, man? I'm doing great. Uh, I'm happy to be on this podcast with you guys right now. Let's get into some stuff. <laughs> uh, that sounds Jimmy like a looks- very special guest answer. Yeah, about yeah, that. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, seriously, yeah, yeah. Jimmy, you it's look just- tired. You look tired, Jimmy. Why would you? You know what? I- I'm talking a lot of soccer down here in Sydney, and uh, it's currently 6 a.m. So. You know, I'm Jimmy. cruising, Chuck. I'd love talking about the beautiful game, especially for you. Oh. Beautiful the hard, hey, the hard part is with Chuck being a special guest is like, and as important as he is, we always have to go through his assistant. We got to send the topics early. So he knew, <laughs> he knew I was going to come off the top and his publicist was like, well, if he comes at you at the top, like respond like this, you know, instead of getting the real <laughs> Chuck, that's just a little more laid back. But you know, when you're that famous and you got that much going on, you, <laughs> yeah. you got, uh, you got to come prepared. So I appreciate that. But let's, uh. Let's chat a little bit uh, of the League's Cup round of 32. Um, obviously, still some games to be played uh, within this one, but Inter Miami. So I, I guess I'll start with you, Chuck, uh, and then we'll get to the defender's perspective with Jimmy. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Lionel Messi. I've watched. I've watched the goals. You know, I've I've watched it back a hundred times because I just want to know who I'm, who I'm blaming, right? And yeah. and with regard to that, there was some great movement, uh, and then obviously with Joseph Martinez on the on the second one, just freeing up that space. Talk to me about how much of uh, of what we're seeing right now is is a little bit of Messi and the brilliance of that, and how much of it is just again poor defending because it's not a secret anymore, and there's only so long we're going to be able to blame poor defending from every single team. Well, well, it's not a secret about some of these. Orlando is not a great team. That, that's not a secret. Uh, Atlanta United are not a great team. So we, we start off at that, the, the threshold and the bar is low. 
Inter Miami were the worst team without Messi and Busquets and right. Tata Martino. Now you add Tata Martino, Busquets, and Messi, you are already going to leapfrog a lot of those teams that have struggled this season. And so, and it is truly the case, by the way, that it's elevating the quality around them. Like, like uh, Robert Taylor, like I saw Tom Bogart wrote yesterday, as he became Di Maria as soon as as soon as Messi arrived. Well, how many? T- how, how often for us, when you are around quality players, the level of expectation to perform is 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 raised. So your first. That's why I hated playing next to Jimmy, movement. you know, because like it, you, I was like, dude, it's so it's, like if I've got to get him to raise his game. And how do I focus on me? You know, yeah, and you know, my dad would text me, "Don't play to the level around you, Heath. Just you know, lead, lead." A- <laughs> he, Heath was such a, a leader back there oh, on the yeah. left side. I, I could in the corner I'm, hiding myself, yelling, you know, yelling at Jim to drop. I, yeah. I remember those. Um, yeah. But no, I, I think a lot of it has to do with obviously Lionel Messi is the best player on the planet mm-hmm. and the, the best player of all time. But people, I don't think, are really taken into context the, the the importance of tata martino and the style of play so setting these guys up to have success and bringing the getting the best out of joseph martinez yes joseph martinez is not the guy anymore he's he's further down the po- totem pole and he has to work i was so impressed with joseph martinez on the third goal because of the unselfishness which is uncharacteristic of a joseph martinez in the box in that position how often have you seen him pass the ball? Well, Messi Never. gave it, Messi gave him the penalty, so he had to give it back at some point to be like, no, hey, you know, it, <laughs> it, it, it doesn't matter. When you're a nine, you're a nine, and you're you're within eight yards of the goal. In in that circumstance, you you expect him to finish, mm-hmm. but he made the actually the right decision in that moment. So it's more about what that means when you're playing with a Leo Messi and a Busquets in terms of the thought process, decision-making, that's where a lot of these guys have improved drastically is you can't, you can't afford to just give a ball away cheaply. Everything is with a purpose, every pass, every movement. And and that's how you get the most out of, of Busquets. And that's how you get the most out of Messi. And that's the trickle down effect. So I love it. Jimmy, let I, me ask you, I, I ask you this real quick, just, just on, ahead, on, ahead, on, on, on this one. Obviously, we've seen um, and we've all played on teams where there's been big stars, right? And there was at times a confusion for me when I was a defender playing with with Thierry Henry on the field, right? Because I knew what the right pass was, and then I knew what his right pass was, right? Which was like right, right. first I, I know what my options are. I, I I do like sort of the run them down in my head of like where's the right p- next pass? And then there's mm-hmm. the Thierry made the run, you better give him the ball, right? Uh, that, and those were constantly in my head that, that affected my performances at time, because at times I'm like, dude, Rafa Marquez can hit that ball 60 yards over the top on a dime to Thierry Henry. I can't hit that consistently. That's a low percentage. But do you think you could it like, Oh, I, I, one one thing to mentally go, I can't do this. Oh no, no. I I could for sure. But time and place, Chuck, time and place, right? You've worked hard to win the ball back. Your team's been scrambling. You get the ball and all of a sudden he makes that run. You've got two choices, right? I've got the pass to keep possession and keep the ball, allow our team to get into shape again, or I've got the, what I think is a riskier pass that could probably lead to just them winning the ball back, right? Make one person happy or make everybody happy except for one person type of thing. What I, what, the reason I say that is because at least right now, it looks like they're finding the timing around that to, to get uh, Leo, Messi, Leo Messi the ball. Different type of player because he's going to basically always be open somewhere off the shoulder, right? And, and want the ball at his feet at all times and not over the top necessarily. But Jimmy, for you, 
you know, watching those goals as a defender, how do you uh, line up the lines around you? I mean, it, it's, it's, it's Leo Messi, right? Like he, well, he, he got those over yeah. the top, but he can also come underneath at any time. And, and there's just so many ways that he can beat you. Okay. So I'll start with the first goal. For those that didn't see it, basically Robert Taylor gets the ball wide, cuts inside, and there's like eight Orlando defenders looking at the ball, and Messi just slips in behind. I get that he's the world's best player, and he's going to make those types of plays. And when he gets in those situations and receives the ball, his composure is unbelievable in those situations. His technique, his composure, everything's great. His timing of his runs, which Chuck talked about, unbelievable. But, but the fact that you would if, – if you're marking him or somewhere in his space and you see him play it wide and then you would stop looking at him is crazy to me that you couldn't, like, see the ball go out to Robert Taylor and you're like, okay, I can see Messi and the ball at the same time. That's, that's Jimmy, 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 the only thing I will add to that is he's been doing that to world-class defenders. I so get it's it. not get just it. MLS. Is, totally, totally. I agree. This isn't isolated to MLS. But now that he's here – I think it's it's highlighting a deficiency potentially league wide, <laughs> yeah. which which I think has been simmering under the surface for a while. But but that's a bigger conversation for another time. Um, what I will add to what Chuck was saying before, and I don't know if you if you guys remember this particular season, but when Guillermo Barros Scalotto came into oh, yeah. the league and started to play for Columbus, Columbus crew changed, and I remember playing against them and thinking all of a sudden Robbie Rogers is like an MLS All Star. And we always knew he was talented, but, like, he took that next step. Brad Evans was getting into good spots. Alejandro Moreno looked like he was serviceable. Shout out to Alejandro Moreno, <laughs> who was doing the, the thankless work. And, it, and all his work paid off. And, and what I realized and what I learned was that when you have a player like Scalotto, you can run with purpose because you know that he's going to get you the ball at the right time. To, to your point, uh, Heath, that, that when you're around these world-class players – the way they can hold the ball under pressure allows you to actually run. And we've talked about this before, where if you're making a run and you're a winger, you're like, am I going to make, am I going to run a hundred percent? Am I going to bust my ass to get into that spot? Which we're seeing now with Robert Taylor, knowing that I'm going to get the ball if I make this run. Whereas I might make this like a Heath Pierce may give me this ball because <laughs> he, he, he might have it in his bag. He might not. I'm not going to run a hundred. I might run at 80%. And, and hope that maybe it gets there. Or I'm going to give you three 100% runs, and if Heath doesn't give it to me in those particular times, hey, I'm not Heath gave give it to me. Heath, you gave it to me, and I, your boy finished. That's all I'm going to say. That's right. That's, That's right. True. And you guys, are, you guys are dunking on, I don't know. Uh, Granada. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter who the opponent doesn't is. Doesn't matter. Keep, yeah. that, keep, the goal keep my goal name goal. out your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> so so, so I, think, I think there's a couple elements that are happening here, and I do agree that Tata Martino – is setting up the team, knowing and having that experience with coaching Messi before, like where to set him up, where to put players around him that's going to uh, have get him the ball in good areas. Obviously, Busquets is going to help that. Jordi Alba is going to help that because they have that that uh, long experience together. But, yeah, I think there's a couple things happening here all at once. And, yes, it's not an MLS thing. We've already seen him dunk on uh, a Mexican league team. We've seen him dunk on French and Spanish teams and national teams i mean the guys are otherworldly to your point yeah. chuck uh so yeah this isn't isolated to mls but there is some at times questionable defending that that does get me like come on i just roll my eyes <laughs> I, 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 I will add this we saw we saw what robbie Keane and jovinko thierry uh Zlatan did to this league right in terms of carlos vela joseph martinez did to this league in, ter in terms of numbers right goals and assists actions Messi 
is on another level. He just won a World Cup. What did people think? He was going to come here right, and right, dominate, right? right. right? Uh, I think I was kind of cognizant of the of the fact that Inter Miami just aren't at the level to make him, you know, find him in the right spots. Even if he's able to facilitate, can he, you know, can his team keep the ball out of the back of the net because the back line has been dreadful and Drake Callender can't play with his feet. But all of a sudden, it seems that they've adjusted. And I say take Busquets out of the, out of the game and you're, you're going to not allow Messi to get on the ball. They're still finding ways to get Busquets the ball. They're still finding ways to build out of the back, which is which goes down back to Tata Martino and his demand. Yeah, so right. I think that's what's impressive. Yeah, I like that. Well, it, it, as another uh, bit of news from, from yesterday's matches, I, I, I did the um, uh, Houston um Pachuca Pachuca game wildly boring in the second half but again you see the learnings of uh and for me as a player I would have loved this many games if possible right they played Santos Laguna then they played this one of just a different type of opponent in a game of consequence right we play in yeah friendlies are you playing group stages of Champions League a little bit different right than just these consequential ones granted Houston's now played three games and had three penalty shootouts two wins and one loss that's got them into the round of 16 um but overall you know, I think a, a great experience for a lot of these young players that are starting to step up. But but um, Pachuca had a bye because they won won um, the twenty twenty two Apertura, and then LAFC uh, they both came in at different 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 levels, right? And Juarez is not the same as Houston, I don't think. But uh, LAFC absolutely battered them seven to one. I mean, that's got to be for for both of you. Do you think that's a turning point for LAFC because they they get these hot starts and they've kind of been wishy washy for the LAFC standard for a lot of this year? Can they, I guess what I'm saying is, can they go? Do you think they can go on a deep run? Because we know who 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 MLS wants in the final. <laughs> so so, uh, I love that. Uh, I so, mean, LAFC Miami, right? Or I mean, you, from a sales standpoint, you want a Club America or somebody like that somewhere big where you can really rock the course. house. But but otherwise, be a su- success story for Major League Soccer. I had I had spoken to Chirundolo. I was in Minnesota prior to coming down here to Australia, and uh, LAFC Minnesota United played, and so I went talked to Steve afterwards and they just were overwhelmed with the amount of games they had to play. That was kind of the big theme, even, even in private, like, dude, this is just insane. How many games do we have to play? And that was a one, one draw. And, and for the first, with, with, minutes, with the rosters good. they have with, with the rosters, with, with that, the rosters yeah, that yeah, they have. Yeah. Yeah. And I know that uh, there's an overall league frustration. I think for a lot of the coaches, like we have to expand our rosters. And I think that's actually playing into what happened with Juarez. Um, they played a lot of their young players throughout the whole thing. They qualified for the next round. They continued to roll out those young players. And then they ran into a team that knows what the hell they're doing and, and uh, was ready for it and looked like they're a little bit more well-rested. And I think that's what it's probably frustrating, frustrating for, for Chirundolo is I have now a team that, that got a little bit of rest. And once we, we get there, we're, we're one of the best. And I thought they showed that in the performance. If Buonga's scoring goals again, Carlos Vela is scoring goals again, uh, it's going to be really hard to slow them down. And obviously they got to tighten it up on, on the defensive side, but it looked pretty good last night with regard to Houston and, and Pachuca. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm still curious as to how, and maybe we're, we have to be three years out from this competition and look back as to who's taking it serious and who's not, but it's clear that it has kind of us open cup vibes. I think that there's teams that are still trying to decide how they want to approach this with their full teams or, or with half and half or probably just younger players. So I, I don't know. It's it's on paper. It's a great competition. I'm still excited to see where it goes. Um, 
uh, to your point, I think maybe referees are, are maybe influencing one <laughs> game or another. If you're an Orlando fan, um, well, think about Miami. Well, let's 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 talk about the Miami one. But think about Pachuca, right? And 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 teams. You said open cup vibes, but Ben Olsen said it. Most teams want to get out of the group just because of the punishment of not is pretty significant, right? So yeah, you look at right. Pachuca. They've got no games leading in, no group stage games. They play a friendly against Oviedo, uh, and then they play this game, and now they're out. And their next game is, I think, the 28th or something of, of, of June is their next league match, which is insane amount of time. Now, maybe that's a positive in terms of breaks, but that's a young club. They've had a ton of turnover. You kind of want games, but it does make it a little bit difficult to not take it seriously considering the ramifications if you go out early. But uh, let's, let's shift over to uh, the refereeing. Chuck, I'm going to start with you, obviously, because you're the striker and we know which way you'll probably lean here. Uh, <laughs> But uh, the the the, the, penalty, <laughs> the penalty call um, for for I, for yeah. what, what, how, how we what, what what are we thinking about that? Well, I'm not gonna lie. I, I've I've won a couple of those type of penalties. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but we we know who you are ethically. You know? We know where <laughs> yeah. we know where you fall into the ethical spectrum of of playing through the you know finishing the play on your feet, Chuck. You know, yeah. You're not uh, Alejandro Moreno as as Jimmy mentioned before, but you are. You know. Yeah. Those legs tend to seize up occasionally with a little contact in the box. You know, actually, it was really just one year where I I tended to go down easy, and and that was mostly due to the fact that I just wasn't physically there yet. And it was the the year after my accident coming back, I I felt like I needed to have some sort of advantage, and that gave me an, an advantage to go down easier because I one I didn't have the strength like I used to. I could ride through challenges before. If I was close to the to the goal and I was getting fouled, I was staying on my feet because I knew I was that close to scoring. There was no diving. And obviously, you have to be smart as a striker knowing what parts of the field to win a foul. If I'm holding up the ball against a bigger center back, we've, we've been under pressure for, for a bit. I feel a little tug. I go down. Or I, I exaggerate. And we win the foul. You slow things down. And that's part of the game. And that's just being a professional. Then there's the 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 dark arts, which is more <laughs> I'm trying to deceive the ref to get this penalty. And Joseph Martinez in that instance felt some contact and and dove. And I've I've done it. I've been guilty of it. The ref was quick to point to the spot. Antonio Carlos should be a little bit smarter in that situation because it's not you know, the, the analyst on the game said he just put his hand back and that, that was not the case. He put his hand back and did a little grab just to slow him down. But it wasn't enough to cause that reaction from Joseph Martinez mm -hmm. when he goes down and wins the penalty. So, yes, it was a soft pen. It shouldn't have been a pen. But once they called it, there was enough contact there. There was a slight grab that they couldn't overturn it. And, and in my in – my, in, my case and my my scenarios, I know that in that instance, Joseph Martinez was looking for the call in that in that in that situation. So J it's 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 just unfortunate. Wait, wait, Chuck, was... Chuck, Chuck, how how many of those penalties did you win? Like you fell early, but like how many did you actually earn? I I, I can tell you right right off the top of my head, Omar Gonzalez. We were we were down uh, to LA Galaxy at home, DC United. I, I came in as a sub. Uh, I was just recovering from a pulled hamstring that I had. And I'm 1v1 with Omar. It's the 90th minute. I do a step over and I go by. Now, he reaches out with his right hand to kind of just check me. Not to mm -hmm. really 
knock me down or anything, but to slow me down. And that contact put me off a little bit, off balance, and I went down and I won the pen. And he's like, <laughs> are you, are, he's like, are you kidding me? And he's like, I said, hey, it's a pen. And I finished and I scored. Another instance, which. And, and now really Omar Gonzalez doesn't like you anymore. <laughs> no, we're, we're, we're cool. Shame. Um, shame. 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 <laughs> the, the worst one, though, was we were playing at Salt Lake. Um, it's we're down a goal, Chris Winger. I'm one v one with Chris hey, Winger. Jimmy, before he finishes this, it, it, this has a little bit of Charlie doesn't sleep well at night. Uh, when these things pop into his mind, huh? He's I gotta, don't know. Oh, I don't he's got to live with this the, the rest of his was, life. It, I, would, I, would, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be able to talk if it, if it was holding me back. I'm I'm at peace. <laughs> I I have not. I have no regrets. I'm at peace. But Shame. Chris, this is one of those Shame. those funny moments. So Shame. I take a touch. Winger goes to ground. Now, I dive over him. I really wasn't trying to dive. I dive over him to avoid a challenge because I couldn't put my foot down. And the ref blows a penalty kick. Now, Winger gets up. He goes, Charlie, you know I didn't touch you. You got to tell him. I'm like, nah, bro. (laughs) I'm taking this pen. That's not on me. And I I scored the pen. And I got – I think I got fined. For that it was the first time i think maybe mls had started to find players if they embellished for simu- wow. yeah for simulation i got fined chuck was the and reason chuck was the reason yeah, chuck changed chuck, the league forever with rules. his cheating yeah so the chuck davies rule and and we got a point on the road at, at salt lake but i i, w- I was not proud of those moments that, that was Never my intention to be someone who's flopping around. You sound kind of proud now. Yeah, I don't know. you do. A, why are you smiling while you tell this story saying I wasn't proud? You know? No, but I, you got a gold bonus. Gold bonus, yeah, yeah. You did. You return that money? Did you return that money? Or did you? No, no, I didn't. Did not. But sure, I, sure. I will. I will say, like growing up as a striker, you you watched the pros, and there there was an element more to the game back in the day to to dive to embellish and i think as the game has uh, evolved we are trying to eradicate that but that's a lot built into a lot of cultures and and Mm -hmm. so i feel at this time it's more power through it stay on your feet and we're getting to that you you don't see americans diving because that is um I, i feel like now there's like penalties for that. There, there's a real emphasis to stay on your feet and not dive, not embellish. And, but I think there's part of it is still understanding that if you are slightly fouled to, to take advantage of that. So yeah. it, 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 there's a, there's a fine line. And I think there's a, a balance between taking, taking your fouls versus playing through them and not looking for those calls. But it, it it's uh I'm not a cheating Chuck Wagon Davies. I'll tell you that. <laughs> I'll tell you where there's a fine line, Chuck, between a short answer and a long answer. And that was a long answer. We're late on the break. So we're going to go to our first break of the show. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about League's Cup as well as lots of other things. So don't go anywhere. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. CBS Sports Network goes all in with the World Series of Poker. We're talking a full house of characters in a competition flush with cash. The World Series of Poker on CBS Sports Network. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, Jimmy, I I wanted to give you the stage a little bit to at least... uh, you know, I, pick, I, pick a game around a 32 or, or, or any wait, you had wait, on, before that uh, happens, yeah. I need to wait, get wait. you guys as Chuck's still has talking. Chuck didn't even know we went to break. He was asking us questions in the middle of the break. Has there been a striker? Has there been a striker that you've marked and has dove that dove in the box and won a penalty on you while you were defending? I, not, not a penalty, uh, for me, I'll answer this one quickly, but there was one, my last MLS game was playing up in Toronto and Dominic Oduro, I, I I got big on like I opened my legs up to like stop, but I wasn't moving. I was just standing still. Opened my legs wide. Oh like, yeah, wide. the block and, versus the chart. Yeah, yeah, and exactly. It was just like it was like what a goalie does every time they come off their line, right? Uh, where they just get big, and I got big and showed both my studs. Made no contact with him. He flip flopped and rolled about seventeen times. I got a straight red sent off <laughs> in my final MLS game, and I remember standing in the tunnel chatting with Michael Bradley, who, you know, joined in on like the misery of, of me. And we were all just having to go at the referee and Dom Maduro came in and was like, ah, sorry, man. I was like, yeah, well, you know what, bud? Like you could have said that in real time when you rolled oh, around. Now like I know why you're so angry. Uh, now, hey, Jimmy, uh, now there's a lot that of explains there. everything. He's so angry because of that moment. Yeah, Jeez. it was, wow. it, it did, it did, uh, it did make me really mad. Jimmy, you, uh, in the box. Uh, I was, one? I was the nicest and cleanest defender there ever yeah. was. So yeah, I, right. I don't remember yeah. anything. I, I do remember Carlos Ruiz though, from the galaxy, El Pescadito, giving me a hard time. And, uh, he was known for flopping. So he had a little bit of a reputation, but he was very good at using his body. And, and, um, if you got, got caught on the wrong side of him in the box, I, I believe I took him down one time that, was a little suspect, but but he also was very he was good. So good at starting offside and getting into weird spots where like he could get you when you weren't looking to where you'd hit him and 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 once you made right. that contact, he was he was halfway down to the ground. He, wait, wait, hold on. He would he, he would initiate the physicality, Chuck. You know what I mean? He was so good at initiating it that you'd have to respond in some way, otherwise you'd lose any type of advantage or perceived advantage that you thought you had. I mean that that. I don't see a lot of players that, that set up shop like him anymore. It, it's kind of like uh, the old, the old basketball centers that would like post set up in the post, you know. Um, and he was just so good at like boxing everybody out. Uh, I, I really appreciated that. I didn't like playing against him, but uh, he was fantastic at that particular and, and, part of the and, and, and what I would add is, as a striker, doesn't that mess with your psyche if you know the player is in and around the box? He is capable of flopping. Maybe you you don't anticipate or dive in. When you probably should, because it's there, but you're you're kind of hesitant, and that yeah. plays to the advantage, right? It's totally. the line games, and I think that's where you can gain the advantage if you don't cross the line, but you can go down easy at times. Fair enough. Well, shame on you, Charlie. Uh, Jimmy and I would never do that. Upstanding citizens, no, and that's you know, true. Uh, if it wasn't for Michael Parker, we would have ourselves won uh, the Fair Player of the Year award year over year. Cheating over year, Chuck. But, uh, yep. Let's, um, <laughs> yeah. let's, let's let's talk about the American Invasion in the championship. Austin Trusty joined Sheffield United. 
Um, Prem, think about that move. Think about that move. Yeah. I think there was a lot of uh, concern when 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 he originally went from Philly to to Colorado, right? Of trying to find his own feet and where he was going to make it, and then the move to Arsenal. You go, okay, obviously he's not an Arsenal quality player at that point. Um, but to, to to make that move, I think it's just such a a great one for him and and an opportunity, right? A huge opportunity for him to get some some minutes and and learn a lot. Uh, Jimmy, as our as our resident center back, uh, do you like yes. this idea? Do you like the move? Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Anytime that you're wanted by a team that is going to splash a little cash to get you. I think it was for 5 million. I think that's smart business. I think Austin trustee showed at Birmingham that uh, he has qualities that can be improved upon. I think obviously his goal scoring prowess is, is pretty important. And then he scored quite a few goals, but I would say that he's only going to get better with, with, and my only fear with Sheffield and any team that's getting you know promoted to the Premier league is you're going to be doing a lot of defending. And so for them to stay and for the Blades to, to remain in the Premier League for subsequent years, it's going to, yeah, he's going to have to hopefully play a part and, and be trusted upon. I know it's a play on words there, but to, to, to be a guy, he's 23. It looks like most of the other defenders are, are relatively young. So I hope that he can, he can get in there and, and make a difference. But in terms of his future, I think he's much better at getting that opportunity with Sheffield than than with Arsenal, who clearly, uh, I mean, for five million, didn't really think that he was part of the future in some ways. And and uh, yeah, Arsenal's out here like dishing out the Americans, and Matt Turner might be on the move as well. So, hey, but I'm I'm, money. I'm 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 thrilled for Austin Trusty though. Yeah, for sure. I'm I'm thrilled for him. Hey. I think it's a great move, and he's in the Premier League, dude. That's that's what's up. Chuck, I got two things for you, right? Tom Brady, minority owner of Birmingham City. What do you think about that for you uh, New Englanders out there? Um, any thoughts on that? And then obviously Coventry also uh, on the striker front, Haji Wright, maybe going to the club on a club record signing. Uh, what do you think about that one? Yeah, well, uh, we could have used uh, Tom's promotion with the Rebs when he was uh, in, New England. in New England. That's didn't a great was, shout, by the way. Yeah, Didn't know he was yeah, that if, he much if he loved soccer so much, he would have yeah. helped you guys out back in the did, day. Did, didn't know he was that much of a footy fan. Uh, could have mm-hmm. used uh, his, his promotion. But um, no, it's obviously great for Birmingham City when you have a, a, a legend like Tom Brady uh, involved. Um, so, I, I mean, there's nothing much to add except, hey, Tom – He's a part owner. Like, well, yeah. I mean, doesn't it feel promotional like, though? I mean, of course it is. Yeah. Th- think about a lot of the minority owners in in sports. Think about. No, but do you think uh, Tom? Yeah. Do you but, think? Do you, Chuck? Do you see? Do, do you Kevin see, Durant? Kevin Durant's done yeah. nothing with Philadelphia Union, right? Now we see outgoing ones like LeBron James with 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 um Liverpool? that ownership group. He's <laughs> he he is outward facing, right? Tom Brady's a very private guy. It's not like he's, you know, and he's not Ryan Reynolds, you know, in terms of entertainment. Do you think this gives a a, a big enough boost? Do you think it's a big boost? For, a, a, you know what I mean? Like he's he's proven on the field as an athlete and what he does, but he's not exactly like the personality type that's going to drive eyeballs because he's going to be out waving the flag. Well, this is an investment, so it's up to him. He doesn't even look he... happy to wear the jersey he's wearing right now. <laughs> yeah. the he's yeah, just like, looks... do I have to? And they're like, dude, you signed the contract. So you kind yeah, of it's, take it's, that it's a little bit of like, uh, I'm uncertain uh, yeah. what this club is and, and what did I get myself into? <laughs> uh, but I mean, it's up to him because this is a new chapter for him in his life post playing career. What does that look like? Obviously he signed uh, a reported massive deal with Fox. 
but you know the same could be said for a lot of these other athletes who are are, are part part owners and in, in, in these big franchises and in, in, in clubs so i what can i say is we'll wait and see but in terms of a real footy fan you didn't see him coming to revs games uh to, to support the team. yeah i i so, agree with you on that chuck you know what i'm saying i i I find it interesting that Birmingham would be the club that he chose to hitch his wagon to. Obviously, there's domestic clubs, to your point, he could have gotten involved with, especially with his relationship with the Crafts. And and Birmingham is interesting. They haven't been in the Premier League since, what, the 2010-2011 season? They finished 17th last year in the championship. I, I He's looking at the table and he's like, yeah, that club. You know, yeah. probably he has a relationship there's- with the investment the firm it's an investment thing it's probably a sweetheart of a deal in terms of the equity he gets for the money that he puts in in exchange for like kevin durant got a great deal compared to what the valuation of the club is right yeah you don't see you don't see kd on the on the field like being involved and talking tweeting about every match the union play so i mean what do you expect from from these guys you know it's 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 a business we'll we'll move on from we'll move on from this topic but the one thing that i did even even at a minimum he could have helped to really push the revs forward. Even even his power within the city of a new stadium or moving the like doing things like that. If he really wanted to help, even if he was like, "Dude, these guys are annoying. Get them out of my backyard. I own this place. Send them downtown." He could have done more, you know. Uh, and he, and and obviously there wasn't an interest there. So it's it's a pure investment <laughs> thing. Let's talk about um, MLS deadline deadline day winners and losers. Obviously, tons of movement. We're not going to go through all of them. Um, uh, if you want, Miami, the- and Miami's the clear winner yeah. here. Clear winner for you, Jimmy. Yeah. That one, wrap that one up quick. Um, yeah, Ma- Matthew Hoppy goes to the San Jose Earthquakes. You know, um, LAFC shipped off uh, Cifuentes. I mean, Ali Galaxy got another defender. Out. Yeah, out and Diego Rossi in. That that's a that's a big move because that's Romendi, not like, that's not uh, like, signs, for like at all, Dallas. You know? The, the, uh, give me one player that 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 or or one team that you you think it doesn't have to be uh, uh, specifics or going over all of them, but do any of those stand out to you? Um, obviously, Vancouver I would love Caps for- if they've they've added Richie Larea and Adekube. Those are two quality outside backs. Out, out, you can put them wingers, outside backs. Vancouver has been able to like string these results together and be competitive, and this takes them up. A, a bit a, another notch just because now they're much more competitive down the wings and I, I i i would not sleep on those moves from vancouver well done on vancouver to get those over the line jimmy anything 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 from you any one player one no team, well, yeah i thought the, with, uh... well the crew you know obviously zilla ryan going to saudi arabia for only two and a half million or if that's what's being reported is interesting i know that he was close to being towards the end of his deal and he was forcing that move out once it became – or forcing his the, the hand of the crew. Um, but I find that to be an interesting deal that we couldn't get more out of Saudi Arabia for a, a player that's actually had some, some pretty good success in the league. But bringing in Diego Rossi I think is was really smart. And Wilford Nancy I think continues to prove. And Ted Bezbachenko who is uh, in charge of the front office and stuff, I, I, I think they're making good smart moves to have long-term success or, yeah, short-term and long-term success. So – I'd keep an eye on the crew. I think they, they know what they're doing, and I think they have all the pieces in place to have some success. But, yeah, I mean, Inter-Miami is the, the big one for me because, and we've talked about it before, I believe that these moves are going to help facilitate a, a new, hopefully, a new dawn of salary cap implications. And, and yeah, I hope next season, we, there'll be changes. 
They'll be it has to be. And I think that you have to have I, – I hope they get to a less is more approach, Chuck, where you start losing some of these gams and tams and crap. And like, hey, listen, here's your, here's your floor. you got to spend at least $15 million on your thing, and here's the cap. It's at 30 or whatever, and, and start to push into a direction where I think the league needs to go. So, so I think the Inter-Miami one will be the most important because I think it will have long-term implications. Let me, ask you guys, let me ask you guys this real quick, just on Matthew Hoppy going to the Earthquakes. They've got Cade Cowell on one spot. I know he's linked to some, some moves abroad, but really hasn't found that consistency at the club level that we've seen um, at, at other times. Still just like a budding, you know, with, uh, budding player with a ton of upside. You've got Espinosa on the other side, who's their best player. You've who's, got a who's Bo- it. Who's, yeah. You've got a Bobasi up top, and you've got Montero, who's the ten. Maybe you can play Espinosa inside, but whatever. We'll leave that for another day. Do you think this is another move? Because a lot of Matthew Hoppy's moves have just seemed like the next move, not necessarily uh, uh, the move where a club is like going after him or touting him as the guy for a certain position. Do you think this is another one of those, or do you think we could maybe see a turnaround from him because he's sort of been lost for a couple of years now? Yeah, I mean he's unproven, and in this scenario i've been there you're you're trying to find your feet again and it seems like confidence is long gone and even with this play it's not what we've seen at his best he's not even close to that so he's been humbled and you go to san jose earthquakes you he doesn't just walk into the team and i don't think he was going to walk into any team he's got to earn minutes just like you would anywhere else i think the idea is you come back to the states there's more familiarity you probably have more opportunities to play. At least he's going to be coming in as a sub, as opposed to if he's in Europe, he doesn't even get in the 18. Mm -hmm. So I hope he can rediscover some form and get some playing time. But we know nothing's a given, nothing's a guarantee. So people shouldn't think, oh, he's going to light up the league. He's got to prove himself all over again. And And I hope that he gets the opportunity to do it. I think what's interesting about him is he's shown flashes of what he's capable of. So that, that consistency is going to be important. I also will add that I think Luchi Gonzalez is very good with young players. Matthew Hoppy's only 22. And I think uh, seeing what he can do with Hoppy is going to be interesting. I've, it's a 12-month loan, which I also find interesting. I thought maybe it'd be like a six-monther just to see out the MLS season and then kind of reassess in the January window. A 12-month loan from Middlesbrough is, is uh, an interesting – sign from Middlesbrough that like all right just take him for a year let's see what happens you know so so for him to get the back half of one MLS season and get the first half of another feels like interesting timing but uh but of all the coaches that I've been around and know I got to play with Lucci back in the day uh, and and really impressed with how his coaching career has gone he's like a a young player whisperer and and if he can get through to Matthew Hoppy that could be a good thing for the U.S. men's national team I know that's that's a big thing and I know he's still working on you know, the, the potential superstar in the making with Cade Cal, and, and I think he's actually with a good coach as well. But it, I, I think he's a, a good player or a good coach, excuse me, Matthew Hoppy to have in Lucci. So we'll see. We'll see how it all plays out. All right. We're going to go to our second and final break of the show. When we come back, we got U.S. Women's National Team versus Sweden preview. A lot to talk about, so stay right there. On May 23rd. I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves and demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? Okie dokie. Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not going to survive this. Evil. The final season. Streaming May 23rd. Only on Paramount Plus. 
You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. There is certainly no love lost right now in terms of the vibes of the women's national team, but I love it all because the pressure is on. So let's talk about this a little bit. Uh, Chuck, I'll go to you first on this one. Uh, what do you want to see? What changes do you want to see? What tactics do you want to see? I mean, obviously, we've covered this quite a bit, um, even in your in your absence, just the overall mood of the national team, the comments that have been made about the national team, their performances. But uh, this is the knockout rounds, which is where they wanted to be. It's against a familiar face in Sweden. Uh, but is there any, any specifics you would want to get out of this one as Jimmy opens up his curtains to let us see the sunrise in jealousy just once again? It's beautiful. Uh, what I will say is, now that Roosevelt suspended for this game and she was kind of what was missing in terms of creativity, although she'd get into the final third and I think lacked the ability to combine and, and was a little bit too direct. I'd like to see Julie Ertz move to a defensive midfield role. So you, you lock up the, the back four, protect the back four, and then you have Lin Lindsay Rant. And I'd like to see Ashley Sanchez get the, get the start because she is super creative. You still have Sophia Smith on the left, Alex Morgan up top, although I would have liked to see Sophia Smith in the group stages play the nine because she has a little bit uh, more to her game in terms of dribbling ability, changing the pace. Uh, I think she's a little bit more dynamic than Alex Morgan right now, but I don't, I don't see Alex Morgan being benched at this, at this point. So Sophia Smith, Alex Morgan, and back to Trinity Rahman on the right. And I, I think what was, what's been missing for this U.S. team is the dominance in midfield, winning second balls, being a little bit better in terms of playing in between the lines, uh, having Sophia Smith and Alex Morgan and Trinity Rahman in the front three create more, interchange, com mm -hmm. combine more. We haven't seen that. And the U.S. typically – dominate the midfield whether it's it's winning every challenge and being direct or controlling the ball and and getting using every uh ounce of width on the pitch and making the other team chase sp spreading them out before they go for the killer pass we we haven't seen that and so this team doesn't have an identity at this point and i think that's what's concerning it's because you don't know how they're going to play you don't know their style you don't know their strengths necessarily it's a lot of brilliant individual, but that's not how you win the World Cup. It, it, you see the other teams that have come together as a team, and, and that's always going to trump the individuals. So I'm hoping they find some sort of chemistry and symmetry in not only the midfield, but the, the attacking trio. That's, that's what's been missing. Uh, I, I'm going to jump in here because I agree with you, Chuck. I think that Julia Ertz needs to get into the midfield. I think that she has a presence I that's ultimately her best area, I think, to really dominate and put her stamp on the game, which she's shown countless times for the women's national team over the years. I'd actually bring Alana Cook back into the team and play center back mm -hmm. next to Naomi Gurma. They have been working on that for better or for worse. I, I don't I'm not necessarily the biggest Cook fan, but when you think about 
what she can bring to the table and how good Sweden are on set pieces in particular. I think that another big body back there, uh, and and actually she has more reps with Germa over the last year at center back than Ertz and Germa do. So I think bringing Cook in, taking Andy Sullivan out, putting um, who I don't think is very mobile, and I think you're going to have to have some mobility, and I think Ertz can cover a little bit more ground. I think the team probably is more fluid in that spot. But here's here's my big one. I want to get you guys' thoughts on this. So so you take out Andy Sullivan, put Ertz in there. Alana Cook comes into the center back spot. And instead of having Ashley Sanchez, who I appreciate, but she has not played one minute yet in this tournament, but I really love her game. And that's still an option. I, I, I would, would be open to that. But dropping Alex Morgan into the 10 spot. So you'd have a, you'd have a midfield of – she's already doing it anyway, right? She's starting high and dropping into those areas anyway. So her starting position would be a little bit different. And putting Sophia Smith at the 9. So you'd have Morgan and, and Smith ultimately more central, which I think would be better for Sophia. Trinity on one side, maybe Lynn Williams on the other. And then you'd have a midfield. On paper, it sounds amazing. You'd have Ertz, Haran, and Alex Morgan. And, and I think that Alex has done enough, and maybe her career is changing, so she's got to adapt and dropping in. And when I start to think about all those players on the field at the same time, when you have a Lynn who, who had great chances uh, in, in the game against Portugal, didn't take those chances, but was probably in in those areas, you know, give her another run out, give her another chance to, to settle in and, and maybe hit the back of the net. And then you have Trinity and Sophia and Alex all on the field at the same time. I just feel like adding another attacking player while solidifying the midfield with Ertz, to your point, Charlie, I think would be really smart. But that just means Cook's got to come in and have a big-ass game. And uh, and I believe the team overall, and I know, Heath, uh, I want you to jump in here, but I believe the team overall is ready to have that one big game of this tournament. And they seem to have Sweden's number in this competition. Sweden has their number in the Olympics for whatever reason. But in this competition, uh, we seem to have Sweden's number. So long may that continue. So I'm, I'm very curious and excited to see how they perform in this game. Yeah, totally. Uh, actually, I, I wanted to, I wanted to, uh, before we jump back to it, just ask you both generally about this because we, we, we've seen this now. We, we went through this whole narrative in, in 2022, but now in, in 2023 with the fact that you generally see the top clubs go through, clubs, national teams go through, right, uh, on the women's side. There's been powerhouses for a long time. There's there's institutions, so to speak. But with Brazil and Germany out, I think it's opened up a new conversation just about the growth of the sport and the development of that in in other countries. Just maybe there's still a, a, a you know the gap is closing, um, in the top ten. But then there's a whole nother row when I look at that Portugal and the way that they played in their first ever World Cup. It's a pretty incredible growth curve to be that good where I thought that they should have beat the U S women and should have gone through and, and are quality enough to be a knockout round team. Do you think that there is that, that much of a gap being closed in that, uh, that much time that we're, we're, you know, a Brazil and a Germany going out. Isn't just like we see in other tournaments where it's just like oh, random, a random one off bad tournament, but more so that, yeah, it was a bad tournament. Plus the quality of opponent is, is shifted now. And it's no longer just like clear favorites and the clear favorites go through every time. I e- guess easy, e- easy answer. Yes. The, the, the field, has grown considerably because of what the U.S. women have been able to do. And they've, they've put – I mean, you look at that 99 team. They have tried the absolute most to make it apparent that women should be getting the same opportunities on the pitch as the men do and that FIFA should treat the women like they do the men. And you're starting to see more countries adopt the the the, the – basically the, the ability to to train the women 
and to get them the proper coaching. And they're starting to see what happens. Mm-hmm. And that is they can ball, that they can also make money. And it's a business. And I, you, you, you look at Jamaica, what they've been able to do, Nigeria, Colombia. Um, it, it's really inspiring to see these women go out there and represent their country and represent women and also highlight and showcase the growth of the game for, for women. So uh, it, it really started with the, the U.S. women showing what it's all about and, and you know, taking those risks and, and standing up for what's right and speaking their mind and look at where the game is today. So uh, it, for, for me and for us, I mean, Jimmy, you're there at Fox, but me being able to cover it with CBS every day and, and watching the games, that's been the best part is covering these matches and seeing like some of these skills, like the skill check, Portugal, Brazil, but also, you know, some of these smaller nations. Like I, I am just so inspired by some of the skills that we've seen in the development of the game. Um, so I, I'm uh, – I'm a big advocate and, and pumped to see how far this game has come for the women. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Give, give a shout-out to the best young player in the tournament, Linda Caicedo from Colombia. I mean, 18 years old and super special. I mean, she's ridiculous. I look forward to seeing how she plays for Real Madrid this upcoming season. But to your point, both of you, the money's coming in, right? And, and the U.S. is probably a victim of their own success here because they had the infrastructure early they were ahead of the curve in a lot of different ways. And now that's being leveled. All these other countries are having those same luxuries. I use luxuries with some air quotes because there's still a lot of work to do in the space, of course. But 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 the coaching has gotten a lot better, too. I look at Desiree Ellis yes. in South Africa. Despite, despite their limitations and despite them not having the funding, there's now coaches with vast experience that are jumping into this area. So I look at Desiree Mar- Ellis Morocco. in South Africa. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, Reynald Pedros from Morocco. I mean, he left Lyon and, and won two women's Champions League titles to come take this over. And Morocco, what do, I don't know whatever Morocco's doing, but there should be somebody over there like taking notes because obviously the men had tremendous success getting to the semifinals. And now the women have, after losing 6-0 to, to Germany in the first game, they won back-to-back 1-0 games. It really speaks to the quality that they have. And just think about their future. You start to extrapolate what that looks like. Even Jamaica, uh, Haiti, all these CONCACAF teams. I think Panama and, and Costa Rica still have some work to do. Mexico's nowhere to be seen. Canada's going to be in a little bit of a transition. But, but it, dude, it, I'm with you guys. It's really exciting. And this tournament's been a hell of a ride. And the fact that Germany and Brazil and Canada are already out, I think really speaks to to where this game is going. And, and it feels as wide open as ever. And it's always going to be tough for the U.S. to win three consecutive World Cups because nobody's ever done it before, probably for a reason, because it's just hard yeah. to extend that over multiple tournaments. But I'm hopeful well, that the U.S. Can, can get the result against Sweden. Well, they haven't not done it yet, so they're still alive in this one. So let's move on to final thoughts for either of you. You can make it about the U.S. women's national team. You can make it about Sweden. You can make it about uh, Timo Weah scoring, Weston McKinney involved in the goals. You can make it about anything you want to wrap up this show. I'm giving you free reign, guys, because that's the kind of guy I am. You know what I mean? I want to send you guys off towards your <laughs> weekends with just the most positive of energies. Yes, uh, I'll start with just – we're all rooting for the U.S. women, and I don't think it for one second this is about mentality, the reason why they, they're in the place that they're in today. Mm. The dancing, the, the self-promotion, the sponsorships, that's part of the game. It's evolved. That's where we are today. But I think, yes, they haven't, they haven't delivered in certain moments on the pitch, 
but I think this comes down to coaching and it's, it's, it's as simple as putting the right group together. Mm -hmm. I don't think Blacko's really experimented enough to figure out what is the right group and where am I getting the most out of each player? So tactically, but also just in terms of player selection, I think that that is a big miss. And to, to get as far as they are now as individuals, I think that speaks more highly of the players to get to where they are now, given that this hasn't really been the best coaching demonstration that we've seen for the U.S. women in a long time. So I'm hoping he tries some different things because – what his substitutions have been off the, I think he's been too defensive. The, the inserting of Julie Ertz as a center back when she hasn't been center back for a number of years. Uh, it's, it's concerning. So I'm hoping enough of the leaders step up and and have a conversation with Vaco and say, you know, Hey, you, you got to make some changes and, and that he takes that advice to heart. Well said. Okay, I, I mean, again, well a said, long, well a long final thought, Chuck. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't a, think it was that it was long. A bit, it was a bit long. Oh, I saw Jimmy. I, I literally saw the sun come up from Jimmy's shoulder over to the top of his head by the time you wrap that one up. Jimmy, give me, give me a final thought. It's a singular final thought. It's a, a singular. I, I believe thought. in the U.S. Women's National Team. They are due to have a big performance. I hope that Blacko pushes all the right buttons. I hope the players are up for it, and at the very least, just match the intensity that we know that they're capable of. They've had a couple slow starts. I think that's all going to click into gear here because there's two different tournaments at a World Cup. There's the group stages, and then there's the knockout rounds. And the U.S. women are the best of the best in the knockout rounds in this. So, uh, come on, ladies. I want us to I do love it. Yes. I love it. Let me be another guest. My my final thought is exactly what alt history just said, that Jimmy is part of the conspiracy that's trying to make people think that Australia is a real place and that the earth isn't flat. That is it from (laughs) us on In Soccer We Trust. Of course, on behalf of myself, Jimmy Conrad, Inyo Conrad, Charlie Chuck Wagon Davies, our producers, Alex and Dez. We will see you all next week, Tuesday, 1 p.m. Pacific time. 4 p.m. Eastern. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening in to In Soccer We Trust. Take a minute to leave a rating and a review on your favorite podcast platform. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. Anywhere Great you to see you, Cheating Chuck. We're also available in video, so subscribe. Hit that like button. Do it. Comment. Subscribe. Join in on the conversation, Comment. and we will like. see you guys next week. Have a great week, and everybody go. Much love, US everybody. YouTube. YouTube.